0: You're listening to a download from theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Number 401.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Outdoor Station with me, your host, Bob Cartwright. This is the third and final podcast in the three-part series with Alex Kashafi, who has now achieved the fascinating goal of the very first barefoot run, walk, land's end to John O'Groats trip. Alex is a schoolteacher, and he spent his entire summer holiday doing this thousand-mile journey in aid of the Stroke Association. Please check out the Outdoor Station website for links to his blog, photos and to his Just Giving page, as I can't think of many people more worthy of our support, willing to use their own holiday in this way. As you probably know, I spoke to him in podcast number 399, just before his trip. Then I met up with him in podcast 400 in person at virtually the halfway point, and he was strong and doing well. So it's only right and fitting that we complete the story now. He completed the journey on the 2nd of September 2015, and the following conversation took place on the 5th of September. First of all, congratulations! Thanks very much. 38 days, uh, I think that was three days over your estimated total?
0: Yeah, I had uh, three days of rest. Um, I even had uh, about three or four days where I only did sort of between 12 and 18 miles, just a sort of uh, moving rest days.
1: And how are you feeling now you've completed it?
0: All right. Um, I like what I've learned about just myself, obviously, because you spend a lot of time, so there's no way you can't learn anything about yourself. Um, what I know about or so what my body's capable of and I'm uh, excited about next adventures <laughs> I'm starting to plan what I'm going to do next
1: yeah it's always the same when I interview people like yourself that are doing something or have just completed something they they end uh, well there's they, there's a stage in their trip where they go I'm never doing this again what a stupid thing to do and by the time I speak to them at the end they're right oh no I've got things planned I can't tell you what it is but I've got things planned yeah, I've got quite a few things planned. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really curious to know. I mean, you're very uh, tacturn in your in your blog posts, uh, which are short and concise, but they do imply an awful lot of depth to them. Uh, with some of the things you might have been thinking or going through on the days. So, genuinely, just wiping the veneer to one side, how do you feel about yourself then? And and what have you learned about yourself apart from what you're physically capable of?
0: Um. Well, a lot of what I was doing was more mental than physical. So, uh, things like being tired and wanting to stop, then not stopping. Um, that ended up being a point where I'd just be sort of walking along, let's say, having a bit of a rough patch and I just have a conversation with myself where I'm saying, well, this is just because you didn't sleep enough last night. So what you need to do is you need to have some caffeine. Um, you can have some caffeine now. You can have it on top of that hill, your choice, get it sorted and then carry on moving. Um, I think I'm a bit more confident in, in myself. And I've always been kind of happy about my own company, but I'm far more comfortable with my own company than I was as well. It's, just, it's quite nice. It's, uh, I think it's something that younger people or anyone should really do before they, they start life properly and being out in the society. Just go off and do something that involves you not being part of society for a bit, just so you learn... Just so you learn who you actually are, as opposed to what you think you actually are, if that makes
1: sense. I read recently uh, an article or two, and I can't remember if it was the States or in the UK, but they were basically taking, I think it was in the UK, up in the Lake District, actually. uh, Mm -hmm. They were taking groups of children um, away to learn, you know, basic sort of bushcraft skills and and sort of camping in the woods type of thing, building shelters. But as part of the actual trip, they had to spend a day on their own without any phones
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sort of uh, and some of the conclusions they came to about themselves and the realisation, exactly what you were just saying really, how they feel about their own company and who they are um, and filling their own time without having all the suitable electronic distractions that we're surrounded by now.
0: Yeah, yeah, It's, it's, it's I think it's important. And the other thing is that you, you learn how good we are at problem solving. So, you know, normally problems come up and people just chuck it aside and say, well, I'm not doing it. Whereas when you trick yourself into a situation like that, you've got no choice. You either don't do it and then you've quit, which means all the people that have sort of got involved and are encouraging and support, being supportive, you've kind of, you feel like you've let them down. Um, so at first, that's sort of what goes through your mind. But then later, it just becomes second nature. You know, that, I've gone the wrong way on this route. Okay, well, I'm, we're going to do this instead. Or today's not going so well. Well, all right, I'll sit down, I'll spend 20 minutes replanning. And see if it's feasible to have a shorter, shorter day. And I'm doing that even, um, even in the last sort of five days.
1: And what about the the, the physical aspect? Because uh, I mean, I've done a lot of running myself. Obviously, not not to your level, I'm sure. But uh, there are times where you just get to a point physically, and you just go, "Oh God, I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to stop and 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 just slow down and walk." Um, doing something continued like you've been doing for thirty-five, thirty-eight days. Uh, have you built up a certain resilience that just allows you to get into bottom gear and just keep chugging along?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm not I'm not worried about walking. I know my walking pace is a lot faster. Um, cause, uh, my stepdad and uncle were sort of tracking me on one of the, I think it was the penultimate day. And um, they asked me if I was running and it was a day that I'd had food poisoning the night before. So I had no sleep. I felt really rough. Um, which was the Tuesday, and they said, uh, you know, you were you were walking at five and six mile an hour, which is a running pace. So I'm not too sure if it was a glitch or whether, I don't know, I've just learned how to kind of move more efficiently. But quite a, quite a couple of people said that, you know, watching me sort of walk or run, I seem to be moving at a, a pace but not actually, you know, really pushing hard, if that makes sense, kind of floating along as opposed to, um, fighting it.
1: Mm, that, 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 that is interesting. I, I did walk uh, once with somebody that completed uh, the series of uh, Monroe's in Scotland as one run in winter, uh, and I ended up walking with him a week or so after that, and I just couldn't keep up with him. It was it was if I was with somebody who was running, but he didn't seem to be putting in any effort into his stride.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of metabolism and uh, mechanics. I think mm. one of the one of the things I've written in my little paper journal, which I'll probably post. Um, when I get a minute to sort out my thoughts about it. But it's, it's really, it seems to boil down to, to three things. Um, the guy, Sean Conway, wrote a blog post once he'd finished and said five elements of trail running, and he had you know water and food and um, some other bits and bobs on there. But there's really, I think there's really only three. It's, it's mechanics of how you're moving and being able to deal with you know why is this hurting. Well, it, it's down to your mechanics. It's, you're moving in, a, in an odd way or in a different way to what your body's used to, and you're causing stress elsewhere. The other bit was your metabolism, so working out what food you need, uh, what nutrients you need at the time, and being able to sort of just guess at what it is, as opposed to or know what it is and go for it, as opposed to kind of just hope that you've picked the right food. And the other one's your mentality. You've got to, I think, you've got to be in the right mindset of, well, this is this is how I'm going to finish. This is when I'm going to finish. Uh, this is what it's going to take to finish, and doesn't matter what happens in the meantime. It, it you know, I'm going to get there.
1: Did you find that you enjoyed it when you look back on it now? You enjoyed it and you had pleasure from doing it.
0: Yeah, I think even the
1: even
0: like the Cairngorms where it was seemed to be endless bog going up hills, which made, made no sense to me because bog's belong along at the bottom of a hill, not on top of them. Um, and the the weather came in; it was freezing cold, and I you know I was starting to I, I knew if I didn't do something, I'd end up becoming hypothermic because I'm on top of a peak and there's absolutely no shelter anywhere. Um, even those bits, I, I wouldn't change any of the actual run in any way whatsoever. Uh, it, was, it was just amazing. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure how to put across to people how how amazing doing something like that actually is, and how good it sort of feels to just to get from A to B. Even halfway through, you know, you suddenly kind of stop, look around, and you you can't help but laugh out loud because you you you. you, you so euphoric in a, in, is a word I can kind of use, which almost describes it. But it was amazing. I'd happily do it again if in exactly the same conditions, same problems along the way.
1: And you haven't felt at all uh, at, at any stage like you're missing something else, somebody else's life or, or missing, I don't know, sitting on a beach in Spain or whatever whatever floats your boat?
0: Uh, not really. It's, I know I was doing those things. You know, the, 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 the views, the people you meet along the way, um, I, mean, I met quite a few people quite a lot of them I didn't know the names but you know pop into a pub sit down have a chat have a beer and then just kind of move on I mean, early on I did kind of feel this sort of almost melancholy that you know I found this really nice place and I'd, I'd like to spend a, two or three days you know enjoying it and exploring it and instead I was waking up and moving on or moving on straight away because it was middle of the day but I think that's kind of what made all those little places special I think if I spent more time I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sort of thinking of places like uh, Redbrook, which is near Monmouth, and thinking, you know, I really want to visit there again. I'd like to go there, even if it's just for an hour or two, because um, I would have. I would have almost killed the magic of the place by spending too long there. If that makes sense.
1: Mm. Yeah, I suppose it. it, it uh, you see it as a uh, a postcard type visit. You see the the best parts, and um, you you have that stored in your memory. I guess.
0: Yeah, it becomes a becomes a special moment as opposed to something that's run of the mill and every day
1: mm. mm. and of course i mean everybody will want to know the state of your feet i guess i mean we did talk about it and i'll take some pictures uh, last time i caught up with you halfway through which they I, I was really amazed just how normal they they looked are they still <laughs> in the same state
0: yeah they're still in the uh they're still pretty much in the same state there's a few parts which don't really touch the floor uh the arch of my foot all the little creases in it have got um I think it's from the tannins from the Pennine Way bogs and the peat. Um, I've tried to scrub them, but I can't get, I can't get the dirt out of them. Uh, <laughs> far from that, I mean, there's, they're fine. Um, I've got a little bit of sort of dry, cracked heel sort of off the base of my foot where my foot doesn't touch the ground. Um, and I think that was just me being a bit lazy with uh, using things like a, a climbing balm just to you know, keep things moisturised and whatnot, and it, it did become very wet and cold. But, no, they're fine. I mean, there's, just, there's just the little marks from where there was either glass or thorns in at some point, which have hit which are up, sealed off quite nicely.
1: Have you put uh, shoes on since, and when you've been, you've been home, do they feel completely different?
0: I've not even tried.
1: <laughs>
0: I've worn my sandals. <laughs> That's
1: it. When are you back to school?
0: Uh, Monday.
1: Oh, right. Okay. I'll take it. Uh... Monday's,
0: Monday's in- inset day, so I'll be, I'll be in my sandals. Um, uh, I do have some. The, the work shoes I've got are by a company called Vivo Barefoot. So they're, they're really minimalist in terms of the, the sole. Uh, it's about three or four mil of, of rubber, and um, they're really, really wide. But I think even as wide as they are, they're going to feel a bit tight around my foot. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a bit of getting used to.
1: So your feet have spread then?
0: I think they have, yeah. One of my, um, because of the years I've been wearing shoes, my, uh, the toe next to my big toe, sort of equivalent to my index finger, that always used to overlap with the toe next to it, whereas it doesn't anymore. It, uh, <laughs> it, it seems to be more straighter. And the, my, my little toe, that, Typical of most people who wear shoes, that was kind of in, pointing towards the middle of my foot, whereas now it seems to be more off to the side. Or well, my toes seem straighter, for want of a better word.
1: Mm, sounds like you're gonna spend a fortune on the on some shoes then in the next uh, few months.
0: Well, hopefully not. <laughs> I'm gonna, you're I'm gonna... gonna avoid shoes going choose as much as I can. I just don't I don't kind of see the point if if I can travel as far as I did in the conditions I can on the terrain I did, then the only reason to wear shoes is work, really. Every other time, I think I'm just going to wear my sandals, even in the winter. Mm. You're, the, you're, going to, you're going to be the character in the village, then, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to be the only barefoot boy in the village.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Find out how easy it
0: is to subscribe to all our free programs visit our website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk or look us up on Facebook.
1: So you were working on a £10 a day budget, I seem to remember, Um, and I've seen some of your blog posts there and it sounds like you met some interesting people and and there were some, uh, well, certainly some interesting little uh, huts and things you found along the way. Tell me a bit more about about that.
0: Um, Well, there's... uh... There was a hunter shack, which I found on the way to, um, I think it was Allport, Um Alston, sorry, on the way to Alston. Um, the weather was coming in, so I chose not to go out onto the fell and pick the road thinking there'll be, there'll be more civilization along the road than there will on top of a fell, which was wrong because there was nothing for miles and miles. Um, I, I was struggling quite a lot to the point that I, I think I've, spent about 10, 15 minutes in a phone box, just collapsed on the floor, sort of thinking, what the hell am I doing? I need to, I need to sort myself out. My hips really hurting. Um, my obliques were kind of aching back, was seizing up for some reason. Um, and I think it's probably the extra food I decided to carry with me, and I didn't quite compensate in the way I was moving for the extra weight. Um, but then I carried on and happened to find the hunter's shack, which was locked on the outside, sort of a little latch that went across. Um, and the, the odd thing is I knocked on the door to ask if anyone was in there before I unlocked it from the outside and went <laughs> in, <laughs> which afterwards I sort of realized was stupid. Um, found a few on the, um in the Cairngorms, which I popped in. I didn't really need to. I just popped in because I, I was more intrigued and kind of fancied just having a bit of a sit-down. Um, there's, a, there's a few great pubs that I've happened to find, uh, one called the All Nations Inn. In uh, Coldport near Ironbridge, really small, lots of characters in there. You know, I I wish I wasn't running the next day because I would have happily have just stayed in there, chatted to the locals, and you know, just got completely drunk with them because it was it was it was brilliant, it was fantastic. But I, I think there's, there's just too many people that you meet along the way to sort of single anyone out. The one person that is stuck out in my mind was uh, an old gentleman called Mike. Who um I mean he could barely he could barely stand up, but uh I sort of I was talking to them, they they knew what I was doing because someone had phoned up and said, you know, can he can he camp up in your um in your patch of grass at the back at all and uh can you buy him a drink and put it on my tab, sort of thing? Um and he found out and I introduced myself to him and he, you know, he he really struggled to rise and shook my hand and said that when I told him like, you know, you need to there's no need to stand up for me. He did say that he should do, and I think that's the one that stuck with me, and I think I mentioned him in the last podcast as well. And
1: what about um, this hut you found in, uh, near Bellingham that was uh, somebody had experienced uh, at Trail Angel uh, over in the US?
0: Oh, that. Yeah, it's, um, it wasn't really a hut. It, uh, as you headed out from Bellingham, and, uh, or towards Bellingham, there was a, there was a farm, but there was signs, and it said, you know, free tea and coffee, showers, fridge, um, drinks, food at the at the top of the hill. And I looked at it and went, "There's nothing on the map, so I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure what your what this is that you're advertising." And then. Came across a bridge, um, crossing a a stream, and there's another one there. It says, you know, not long to go. Just make it to the top of the hill, and there's a nice, comfy spot to sit for a free, you know, a cup of tea and coffee. And I'm expecting a cafe. Uh, Carried on, and then along along one of the gates for the actual farmyard, it said, "Come in, shed on the left. Help yourself to cakes, coffee, whatnot." And uh, in there was a there was just a kettle put up. There was a fridge. There were some homemade cakes some homemade scones. There was some chocolate bars some biscuits, a um, whole load of wagon wheels, um, coffee, tea, a uh, fridge full of Coke and lemonade and other, other drinks and whatnot. And a little sign that said that the person's mother had started, um, basically started offering hikers three cups of tea and somewhere to sit down uh, in, I think it was 1980-something. Um, and and they just carried on the tradition when she would passed away. It was it was really nice to see something like that along the trail. And yeah, that I found out the Americans call them trail angels. It was it was great. I think I, don't know, I think that person that that family deserves some kind of medal. Uh, they're being really generous without really receiving any direct thanks for it. I mean, there's a book which people were signing saying you know thank you very much, but that was it. They were getting they were gaining nothing really from it apart from the, the satisfaction of doing some good, which is fantastic.
1: Wow, is that, is that on the Pennine Way? It was
0: just off the yeah, it was just off the Pennine Way. Um, I've taken a photo. I did take a photo and it's on the blog post and that, that photo is um, is GPS tagged. So um, you can kind of you can find it, but it's not it's not difficult to miss at all. You just carry on, southernness signs and they say come in for a cup of tea. I suppose most people ignore that, especially when it's in a farmyard. And it looks like you're walking you know, onto someone's property when you shouldn't be. But it's amazing. I think I spent a good 20 minutes just sat in there, just enjoying being sat down out of the wind and the, the rain.
1: Wow, what a wonderful, generous thing to do. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's it. You probably just advertised it now. There's going to be a 1,000 people descending on it next weekend.
0: Well, we've not said where it is. Have some ones for it.
1: So, in total, you've done uh, 1,162 miles. Uh, yep. You noted that you've done 883 of them barefoot. Uh, I guess the rest were sandals for what, injuries and wet. and, and It, when it was just... more
0: wet and rain. Uh, majority of that was in, the, in, in Scotland because I was on the roads and it was raining. And I think every single day in Scotland, bar one, it rained at some point. And because the, the pace I was going at and the distance I was travelling, and because it was the end it was sort of like well I think you know I've, I've, I've proven enough that it is possible to do this sort of thing without really having your sandals at all and I'm starting mentally I'm starting to move on to what I'm doing next I know I'm going to finish uh, it's just the case of right get them on don't be silly there's no point to prove anymore just get going um, and that's where the majority of that 200 is it 270 something miles where the majority of those came from
1: Certainly when you were saying you were crossing the Cairngorms and you mentioned the mini-gag uh, and that particular route, I'm sure part of it I've been on myself and I was uh, wondering how you were going to get on with some of the the, the, the tracks there, the farm tracks or the forest tracks. Um, the, the gravelly ones. Yeah, which are gravelly and the stone's bigger than small gravel and smaller than big rocks, but it's just enough to keep your feet rocking and rolling all the time.
0: There was um, there's quite a few patches where you could run along the side. So when when it got really sort of... Bit too much. I just jumped onto the side and ran along the peat. Uh, I think there was a few sections where I was running on, going, "Why do people put this sort of thing down? It does not reduce erosion at all. It increases erosion. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put a soft piece of crockery in a in some kind of moving object with some sharp gravelly bits in because you'd smash it to pieces." I was having a bit of a chunter to myself, but all I did was stick on the heather because it was, you know, it was peaty and uh, fairly soft on the foot. So it just meant I could keep going at a reasonable pace.
1: I think the highest point you went over was, uh, was it 2,900 feet, something like that?
0: Uh, Yeah, nine hundred twelve meters, I think it was. A little trick point next to a peak that had a name, which was just beyond me in terms of pronunciation, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, But it kind of, if you're going on the minigate path, it... It's like a direct route to get onto the path that led, leads you into Glen of Fesci.
1: Glen Fesci, right okay yeah. okay uh, that,
0: that's, that's where the weather turned quite horrible for about uh, 15, 20 minutes where there was, there was really cold gales blowing and it, it, you know it rained quite heavily, but the terrain is it's fairly. Obviously, it's a, it's a mound, it's a bit of a hill, but there was nothing to shelter behind. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're not really steep hills either. They're quite rolling once you get near the top of them. So even going on to the opposite side of the hill, there wasn't much shelter. I did manage to find a, a, a patch of mud or grass that had just, it just stuck out about 50 centimetres, enough for me to get down on all fours, um, have my head on the floor, and be out of the wind and rain so I could actually get my stuff out and put on extra layers because I was, I was really cold.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Cairngorms doesn't take prisoners, really. You, you came down somewhere near near Aviemore, I must seem to relieve.
0: Yeah, I did. I, I popped, uh, found a little forestry track uh, and took that to uh, the Feshie Bridge.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Um, and that's where I stopped for the evening. Um, someone was kind enough to, basically give me a hostel place there because they happen to have one spare. Uh, it was actually a guy called uh, Rob Jeffries who I met um, doing some Bob Graham support during the summer or just before I, I, I started my little trip. Uh, and he also joined me for the section from Abbots Bromley to uh, to Bakewell. But he just contacted me and said, I've got, I've just noticed you here. I'm here on a on a bit of a holiday type thing and, I, and I've got a spare hostel room. So if you want it, you can have it, which was which was really nice of them, actually. And then from Feshy Bridge, I headed uh, to Avimore and then from Avimore oh, I can't remember the name of the place I stopped. I think it was about nine miles onwards. might have been Carbridge that I stopped at after Avimor.
1: Did many people actually seek you out at all and, and sort of uh, offer you any food or give you any help?
0: Not really much. There was a, there was a few, there was a handful, and it was mostly people who i'd met in passing at races so in the yorkshire dales uh two or three people who i'd met during uh the felsman just they just spotted me as opposed to i'd met them and talked to them sort of thing they spotted me in my sandals at felsman and then obviously followed the the trip and a couple of them popped up um one of them was a guy called uh, james was nice enough to bring a beer and some uh leftover homemade pizza. So you know, the three of us just sat on the side of a hill where I'd pitched up my tent, uh, having a beer and having a bit of a chat and a bit of a laugh. It was actually quite nice. Um, but there wasn't that many people. I know quite, you know, a few people said they tried, but they seemed to have, um, they seemed to have problems catching me. <laughs> uh, so they'd, they'd sort of seen me go past one place so and, and they'd not got there on time. So they'd scoot around to the next section that I should be at, but I'd already gone past it. Um, or they'd, they'd see that I'd stopped in a pub, they'd rush to the pub, only to find that I'd, I'd left five or ten minutes before to get to the next spot.
1: Did you get much um, press coverage as well? Because I, I noticed there was uh, various things popping up in Scotland.
0: Yeah. uh believe I'm in one of the Scottish tabloids. Uh, I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, I'll have to double-check my notes and put a link on, my, uh, on the blog. Uh, the BBC... One of their reporters, guy called I think David McKenna, he he published something, wrote something, and published it as soon as I finished. Which is on the BBC website. Um, There is a link. There will be a link to it on my on the blog, but there is on the Facebook page. Um, I'm fairly certain. I I've not been watching television anyway, but uh, I'm fairly certain they they there was something on uh, BBC Breakfast just before I finished. I think the Tuesday to put something on just as a, as a little reminder. Um, and one of the reporters did a quick, um, phone interview with me and, uh, I sent her a little video clip of the very, very last bit in the wind and the rain where I basically 10 o'clock at night, I'd reached the uh, finger post and <laughs> said done at the camera. Um, I, I'm, I'm, assu- I'm hoping that trail running magazine, uh, once they basically wants to, the editor's not too busy. She's going to get in touch with me for a, uh, for a follow-up piece because they did the interview to start with. Um, Runners World magazine also said that, you know, they're going to, and I think it was partly because a lot of people thought, you know, it, he's not going to, he's not actually going to do this. He's going to get so far and have to stop um, before I started. Uh, they they said they'd be interested in uh, running a piece like a pre-run um, and post-run interview type of thing. So, Hopefully it will all generate some publicity and some
1: more funds. Yeah, super well done. Well done.
0: Podcasting around the world. It's all about getting out and having much more fun.
1: This is the Outdoor Station. You started, I think, uh, with just a couple of friends in a van that dropped you off at Land's End. Yep. Uh, was there any welcoming committee at all when you got to John O'Groats?
0: Um, there kind of was, yeah. It was really, uh, really nice. My stepdad and uncle came up just for the last uh, three days. Um, I think it was because my uncle wanted to run some sections with me. And they were, they were sharing the driving, which is why they came for such a... You know, as opposed to one day, they came for three days. So they gave me a lift back. Uh, my uncle ran the last 19 miles with me from uh, Watton all the way to yeah, the actual John O'Groats uh, finger post. And uh, two friends who I'd not seen for a while, uh, who I met again in uh, night and spent the evening at theirs, um, they, they went they gone on a bit of a Scottish road trip and uh, they were tracking me all through the day. And uh, just after I'd got to the post, and I was going sort of asking my uncle, "Do you know which way the campsite is?" Because I have no idea where anything is at the moment. They just appeared round the corner, which was really, really nice to see. Um, so I started with two friends and ended with two friends, which has a has a lovely bit of symmetry to it.
1: Oh, nice, nice. And did your uncle make any comments on on your running style, or speed, or strength at all when he was running with you the last bit?
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, he did twenty five miles with me, um, a couple of days before that on the Monday, and um, I think we I just walked on that day. There was there was no running whatsoever, and uh, I think I destroyed him a little bit because he was aching by the time we'd finished. And the next day, he was struggling to you know he was struggling to get in and out of the car. Um, but he did say I mean, he he ran with me a couple of years ago, and he said that the sort of improvements I've made to my just the way I move and my efficiency is he he said he was amazed by what I could actually do. um, He also ran a a section in Hathersage with me going down a a bit called Padley Gorge, which is really rocky, big boulders, really kind of technical trail running. And uh, he said he he was amazed at how fast I was traveling down the, the, the path, even with my rucksack on. And the fact that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't tripping over anything. Um, I think I remember having to vault a, a boulder that I didn't see around the corner. And he said he didn't, he didn't understand how I managed to do that, you know, without even sort of flinching. As it were, almost like just a natural thing for me to do. So I, I'm quite pleased with the <laughs> quite pleased with the progress my body's made over the last six weeks.
1: So are you entering a few more races now? As soon as you come back, now you're in this peak and conditions.
0: Yeah, I run a. Um, it's only a three-hop. Pop- park run um this morning uh, it's only 5k at line park really nice little trail run um basically just ran and had a bit of fun uh walked some bits uh sang along the way danced to the bits of the music that i really liked while i was running that's kind of what i've been doing over the last few uh, few weeks um the high peak 40 uh, marathon in buxton is coming up in two weeks so i'm gonna I'm gonna do that uh i've got another the race on the 31st of October called Dustal Dawn. It's a 50-miler, which you start at dusk and the idea is you, you end it at dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it in terms of the actual races. I am going to sort of get my, uh, get my act together a little bit more than I, than I did in the previous year and do lots of little uh, mini-adventures out to places like Snowdonia, uh, the lake. Um, I'm not sure about Scotland because it's a bit far, but definitely in half to... And uh, sort of two week Christmas and um, and Easter bank Easter sort of holidays. I'm going to try and get myself out a bit further and spend a, a few days. Really, it's going to be training for the next adventure because I, I really do fancy somewhere like the Alps or the Pyrenees, following like the GR5 or the GR10 trails, or doing some kind of high high level traverse. Because that that's my kind of they're my kind of trails and terrain. I really do like. Rocky,
1: big things. <laughs> wow! And are we talking barefoot still?
0: Yeah, there will be barefoot in sandals. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. I get the whole idea of, of of shoes when it's possible to do them in in a really minimal pair of sandals.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I, I noticed. Uh, I think on one of your blog comments that when you went through the Cairngorms and came through Aviemore or something, there was a. Uh, a paper that had had the headlines of somebody was killed in in the Cairngorms wearing inappropriate footwear or something.
0: Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, I said that I didn't really want to go through the Cairngorms if the weather was bad because I really didn't want that as a as a headline because you get that in Snowdon a lot. You know, people go up Snowdonia in in sandals, flip flops, uh, shorts, t shirts. They don't really have a clue what it's like once you get high up. The fact that the weather can change so quickly uh, and the terrain's quite demanding. I, I just. I, I was basically concerned that, that that headline would actually be me, which would be probably the most embarrassing thing possible.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh, so it wasn't a genuine headline then?
0: No, no, no. It was, I just, it was me basically saying that, you know, if the weather is bad, I'm not going through the Cairngorms um, simply because I, I, I want to avoid wasting Mountain Rescue's time by calling them out and then they, they finding out that, my God, the guy's in a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and he's wearing nothing on his feet, but wearing a pair of sandals.
1: So they'd put on your tombstone. It was his own fault; he wasn't wearing shoes.
0: Yeah, it's his own fault. He was not prepared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Um, so, you, tell us about the the last day. Then I noticed uh, this quite deep thoughts coming through your blog once again about the stone. You painted this picture of you thought at the beginning you'd get to the far end and run at full tilt and throw the stone into the sea that you'd carried all that way. But you went through some sort of uh, change of thought, change of heart, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I'm not really sure when it was, but I realised that, because there's quite a lot of aggression that Angus is doing something like, you know, charging at the coast and launching a rock out. And that's kind of what I was visualising in my head. Um, I think I kind of realised that that anger's, that anger's got nothing to do with what I'm doing. Um, it's got nothing to do with the journey I'm taking. It's more a personal thing, you know. I was uh, It's probably angry partly because I could have gone and spent more time with my grandfather when he was, you know, when he was really, really ill and, and whatnot. And I'm, I'm angry at myself because I didn't prepare for injuring my foot or getting the other bit injured or falling behind schedule and stuff like that. And at some point... I think it came in little tiny steps. For example, I realized that the schedule is, it, it, in a way, it didn't really exist. It was just a case of get from A to B along the route and do it in the time you've got. You know, the, how many miles I did per day wasn't necessarily set. I could go further. I could drop it short. I could, I could take a, a detour if I needed to or, or whatnot. Take take a different trail because it was better than the trail I originally wanted to take. Um, the other bit was realizing. I think it is just realizing that the anger is is directed at yourself, and you need to kind of come to terms with it, as opposed to you know make some grandiose display of being all macho and angry and aggressive. It just didn't seem right.
1: So you chose the the gentle route of of placing it beneath the finger post.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite nice. It. it um, I think in a way it symbolizes the actual, because there's more than, you know, I'm not the only person who's done lantern to John O'Groats uh, or ran it, walked it, cycled it, whatever. Uh, there's, there's absolutely tons and tons of people doing it. And I'm just one person out of all these people that do all these, you know, crazy adventure stuff. And that's just how they live their life and whatnot. Um, and I, the idea of just having it there, I mean, I took a photo of it and I, had a, I turned around and had a look. And if you look really closely, you can see this, white piece of granite amongst the um I think it was basalt or little slate chips which are all spread out and it, it stands out if you look for it. But if you don't, it just blends in with the rest of the rest of the stones. And I thought, you know, in terms of see you know, closing off that whole adventure and what it what it actually stands for or what it's um symbolizing whatnot, it was it was perfect way of ending
1: it, I thought. Hmm. Interesting. And do you think this sort of Zen attitude or Zen improvement in your own uh, lifestyle is, is going to continue? Do you think you can keep it up?
0: Yeah, I think I can. I mean, I've been quite interested in, in Zen for a few years and I've, you know, I've read quite a lot of books and I've thought, yeah, I kind of understand this. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's one guy called um, Suzuki who's a, he's a prominent Zen master and he, there's, a, there's a quote which is retain your beginner's mind, and before that, I was like, "Oh yeah, I've definitely got beginner's mind, and I, I understand this fully." But really, I don't think I did till you know I got so far into the trip and went, you know, actually, no, 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 this isn't this isn't what it meant. It it, it really is pointed to something a lot more, you know, a lot deeper um, in terms of the way we think. And, I mean, I've, I've met people who've, like, said, you know, oh, I can do it and I don't know how you did it and I, I don't really know what to say to you in terms of what you've just done. It's, it's you know, I keep saying to them, you could do it. Anyone could actually do it. it it's just it's just a switch in your brain where you, you, you sort of, you, you look at where your boundary is inside your hair or your personal limitations in terms of what you think is possible. And what you do is you try your best to, get it to dissolve or vanish. And at that point, you suddenly go, actually, yeah, 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 this is doable. It takes this, this, and this, and repeating X, Y, and Z, and you can do it. And I do genuinely believe that anyone else can do what I did unsupported and probably do a damn sight better job of it than I did.
1: Do you know uh, where you stand at the moment with the money that you've raised for the Stroke Association?
0: Uh, last time I checked, it was 7200 not including the uh, gift aid, which goes on top. Well um, done. Yeah, I'm hoping that that keeps going up. The more, obviously, more people find out that I've done it. I think there's going to be a few more donations because it's it's finished. It's done. It's it's, it's <laughs> I, I'm not proving that I can do it before they uh, they donate. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think seven thousand pounds is is a fair amount of money. Um, especially with the gift aid on top. But it would be nice to reach a nice round figure of £10,000, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, anybody listening to this, I hope they do uh, support you in some way with whatever they feel they're able to do. So that would be really good. Yeah,
0: it, that's the thing. I think some people, are, some people want to donate sizable amounts, uh, but really a pound. If a thousand people go, okay, I've listened to the podcast – I'll donate a pound. That's a thousand pounds more towards, you know, helping some people who really, really need it.
1: Mm, very true. Very true. What uh, about uh, just touching on gear for, for a, a moment? How did it all perform in the end? It was all going seemed to be going okay when I saw you uh, halfway through.
0: Amazing. I love my tech. <laughs> the last night when I didn't really need to pitch it, um, I ended up pitching it. And uh, after having several whiskeys with my uncle, because um, I think the, the journey for, for the pair of us was quite, you know, it's quite a personal thing. And I think he kind of appreciated what I was doing because um, we had some conversations along the way, which were, you know, there were, there were things that you would normally say out loud but um, to other people. Um, we, once we finished the, uh, sort of a, a bottle and a half of really quite nice whiskey, I I really did enjoy getting into that uh, that tent. <laughs> it was like, fantastic. I'm in here again. Because it was just, I don't know, it was the one place that I could guarantee pretty much the conditions. It would be dry and it would be warm.
1: <laughs> Without midges. And did you, uh, after I saw you, did you carry on to predominantly wild camping?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think there was... Uh, there was a couple of nights where I ended up in a hostel. Um, there was one in Blair Athol where I, I think I'd, I'd had a pretty much of a, a fairly tough day because um, sort of a, about a week before, a week leading up to that day, I'd, I'd had, um, I had some kind of stomach bug. So I put food in and it didn't really stay and it wasn't really getting processed in anyway. It was just, you know, it was just coming out. Really quickly, which was um, which at first concerned me, but then I found you know as long as I top up my uh, top up my sugar, I'm okay. But um, it uh, apart from those that night and uh, the Tuesday before finishing, I was uh, I was wild camping and I found some really nice spots as well.
1: Excellent. Brilliant. Well, Alex, um, you know, you've just finished, uh, what are we now, Uh, we're the 5th of September and you finished, uh, what was it, three days ago, four days ago? Second. Second, amazing. Well, I really wanted to catch you sort of of straight off if I could really, just because I know how quickly uh, reality starts to get uh, back into your life again and change uh, change the way you see things and, and obviously dull the experience um so thanks very much indeed for taking the time and congratulations once again i think it's a great achievement and a very interesting achievement as well and i look forward to seeing the different bits of press coverage that you get and i hope that uh, people who are listening to this you know as you say donate a pound or a little bit more uh towards a really good cause
0: yeah that'd be great actually i think that would be the the icing on the cake as it were because i think i I've said in one of my blog posts what I did was just went from one place to the other I haven't you know I haven't cured any disease or done anything really impacts on people's lives as it were so I think that the donations and raising a bit of money which will then lead on to impacting on people's lives would actually make the whole thing really really worthwhile
1: with that in mind I shall look forward to hearing what your next barefoot adventure may be
0: (laughs) yes I'll probably be in touch We get something organized and get some tips
1: from you. <laughs> excellent, excellent. It has been an interesting experience to witness Alex as he completed this journey, both mentally and physically. He's now undertaking a series of talks around the UK about it, so please check out his website for details of when and where that's going to take place. However, if you're part of a walking or running club and would like him to give you a talk, he would be pleased to hear from you, and his contact details are on there also. So congratulations once again to Alex. There are so many normal people like him around the world... Doing interesting and extraordinary trips, and we wish them all well and want to celebrate them where we can. That's about all from me at The Outdoor Station, and until next time, bye for now.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk.
1: The home of UK-based audio and video podcasts for outdoors people everywhere.